Oh, but before we start today, I did want to pause and remember what this weekend is. It's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, Memorial Day comes, it goes actually way, 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 way back. It started as Decoration Day. I don't know if you knew that, and it was for decorating the graves specifically of those who died in the Civil War. That's how it began. And then after World War One, they said, let's just... Uh, expand it, not to the Civil War, but anyone who'd served and died. It was specifically for those who died serving our country, died in war. And so now every, uh, you know, whatever it is, the fourth Monday of the month, there's a moment where we remember specifically people who died in service. How many of you know somebody that specifically died serving? Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty real, right? So Veterans Day, we honor all who served, and and Memorial Day is specifically remembering those who died. So let me just take another moment to pray and pause as we do that. Lord, we know that we're meeting today freely because some have given their life. It's a big sacrifice. Over the couple centuries of our nation now, people have died in battle. And so we thank you for their sacrifice, their family sacrifice. Uh, we thank you for people willing to put their name on the line so that the rest of us can be free. So we just thank you. We pray for families. Even, even now, families may have lost someone in a, a conflict or someone serving in the armed services, is even this week, given their life. And so we, we pray for those families. We pray that you carry them through. We pray that the gospel would reflow through our nation. We know there's been times of revivals over the the decades, but we need another one. We need more and more people to meet you, Lord. So we just pray that you'd reflow through. And then we thank you that you gave the ultimate sacrifice, that you died, though righteous, and you died on our behalf. And so we thank you for that, Lord. Let us remember, let us not take for granted and Uh, the the freedoms we enjoy, and let us never take for granted the freedom we enjoy in you, to be freed from sin, to be freed from death and damnation, to be free in you. We thank you. Open the word to us now, we pray, and we just thank you that you've given it. Open it up for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in 1 Corinthians. We're doing a study of that this spring here. So if you want to open up to the book of 1 Corinthians, we're going to hit chapter 3 today. And uh, and so we're a a pretty friendly church. We like people. And uh, we like people to visit. Some of you are visiting today. Maybe it's your first week. But over the years, it's been a visitor that we haven't appreciated as much. And we haven't always loved when this person comes and visits us. It's been the fire marshal. <laughs> so it's been different people, but it's that office. And uh, so the fire marshal will make an appointment and come, and then he'll walk through and tell us all these things we got to fix. And, uh, and, and it's been different. So one year it was extension cords. No extension cords could be plugged in if they're not plugged into something. So, okay, fix that. Then it was a year, no feet on the bottom of doors that are fire doors, you know, so you push them open and the little foot, those all had to, if you look at our doors, they all have little three screw holes where we had to take all those off. And so, okay, so we do that. 
And then the big year was when he came in and he walked through the building. And we have a lot of interior windows, if you look through. And they're here for a good reason. All of our kids' classrooms have a window to the hall so that you as a parent at any time can go see your kid so that no adult can ever sort of corner a kid in a room that's unseen. So they're for safety. So we have all these windows into all of our kids' rooms so it's visible. But he said, these are not fire glass. This is, this is regular glass. I don't know what it was. And this is your escape corridor. So if it gets hot in that room, those windows can blow out. So you've got to change all those. So, and there was actually a lot of them. And so, and so some guys went to work on it. John, John Blackwood, if you want to get him going, ask him about that. But... Uh, he, uh, we, God sent us a really, I don't remember the company, a, a window company that cut us a huge discount. But I think it was still about eight to 9,000 bucks, and we did all the labor. So it would have been, so all, we took, a few of them we were able to take out and drywall, but all the other ones are this fire glass, and it has a film inside it. So if it does shatter, it keeps the glass hooked to it. So, so we haven't appreciated those visits always, because they're costly, and they take time. But, in all seriousness, we actually do appreciate them. Because it's very unlikely that we'll be in this building when there's a fire or that there will be a fire. But we do know he's actually looking out for us, right? The fire marshal has walked through a lot of buildings that burned down, probably some of them because there was a faulty cord, right? Like, wouldn't that stink if our church burned down because of a bad electric wire? It would be kind of lame, right? So like, okay, that's a good thing. And the whole thing with the door feet, the idea is if fire starts in one half of your building, if doors are closed, it spreads more slowly. It can't get as much oxygen. So your whole church might not burn down, just a room or two. So that's what that's for. And then the fire glass, if your child was fleeing down there and then a shard of glass impaled them, we'd be really sad about that, wouldn't we? Like, boy, they're escaping a fire only to be hit by glass. So in the end, having safety glass is good for our church, right? So this person has lots of experience. They've seen lots of horrible things. And they're saying, we want to protect you even from yourself. So while it's irritating and costly, it is good. So I actually don't hate the fire marshal or disapprove of their visit. Though we don't call them to schedule. I'll say that. We let them call us. But uh, so we do appreciate it. And in fact, many times the crew down here has come and just said, we want to walk through your building. So if there ever is an incident, we kind of know our way around. So I, I really am actually quite appreciative of these guys and gals. But the odds are we're not going to experience a fire. And we're re- the odds that you're going to experience while you're here are pretty low. Okay, it really is that way. But today our passage is a similar thing. There's a warning like a fire marshal warning, where the fire marshal says, you need to take care of these things, because in the event of a fire, this is what's got to happen. Paul writes that. Our, our passage today is about that, and it's not a, an actual fire. He says, I want to prepare you, and I want to specifically prepare any kind of leader for a coming fire. And I'm talking about a house fire. I'm talking about a fire that's an examination. That your life's work serving Jesus will be tested by fire, and I want to prepare you. I want to warn you about that. I want you to tell you it's very serious, right? It's very serious when the fire marshal says, this could happen, and this could be bad. It's very serious when the scripture says, you should pay attention to this, because this is a fire that you're going to be tested in. So this is our point today. Making disciples is eternally important. 
Making disciples is eternally important because you're going to see there's a test like fire that's coming. So that's what we're going to get at. We're in chapter 3. So I'm going to read the uh, whole passage here in chapter 3. And then we'll come back and look through it. So chapter 3, and we want to hear God's word. I read the whole thing because God's word can speak for itself. He doesn't really need my help. But uh, so let's just listen to it together. Chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. All right, so let's jump in there. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when we opened this, if you weren't here, we opened this, this passage up. It started with a conflict in this church. It's a church in Corinth, and the conflict was there was different leaders. Paul had been there, and this guy Apollos, and Cephas is another word for Peter. There were different leaders there, and people were choosing their favorites, right? I want this one. I like this one. I like Francis Chan. No, no, I like Tim Keller. No, 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 give me some Rick Warren, right? It's that kind of, this is the right one. They got it going on. And so that's what's happening in this church. And so we addressed that. It was a lot in chapter 1, and then chapter 2 was kind of like a giant parenthesis. 
It was this big, we just launched into that and all the power of the cross. We did that the last few weeks. And then he finishes the argument in chapter 3. That's what's happening. He finishes the argument. So he's finally saying, this is, we got to stop this, okay? He's finishing this idea of we don't divide up behind preferred leaders, preferred methods. I like this one. He says, we can't do that. He's saying it's showing you're immature. We saw that at the beginning there. So I kind of already taught the beginning of chapter 3. I tied it in when we did chapter 1 a few weeks ago. But then he launches beyond that, right? So he says, we're not, what, what are these leaders, right? What, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They're servants, right? They're there to help you grow, right? He says, I planted Apollos water, but God gives the growth. It doesn't matter who the leader was, right? So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but God gives the growth. So it doesn't matter who the leader is, if you like this or that. The point is they're serving God and you're growing. So he's kind of trying to end this, this, this problem they're having. So where we're really going to drive down is in verses 8 on. 3.8. So he says, he who plants and he who waters are one. He who plants and he who waters are one. So it doesn't matter who initially leads you to faith, who then comes in and disciples you. It doesn't matter if there's been multiple pastors come through. The point isn't, I like this one, I like that one. The point is, they're helping you grow, right? One starts your faith, one helps your faith grow. They're one because they're together serving God. And then it introduces this interesting idea. Each will receive his wages according to his labor. This introduces a topic that's going to come up. So this is talking specifically about people who are leading others. Could be a pastor, could be a small group leader, could be a one-on-one discipleship, could be a youth leader, could be a wanna leader. It doesn't matter. You're leading another person, but there is actually rewards for your service to Christ. This is not earning heaven. Please don't hear me say that. We don't earn heaven. You receive that as a gift, but your service to the Lord is rewarded. We're going to see that in a minute. But he's saying their point is they're all doing God's work. So he says, for we are God's fellow workers. It's actually the word for synergy. You ever hear that word? Synergy. It literally means to work together. You have the opportunity as a follower of Jesus to work together to accomplish his purposes. Not because he needs our help. The guy's like, boy, how am I going to reach Bellingham? There's these crazies out there. What am I going to do with them? I got to get some people. No, because he gives us the privilege of working with him. So it's synergy. We're, we're working with God and now look at, look at the people here. There's a we and there's a you. He's saying we. So Paul is talking about the various leaders. Paul, Apollos, Peter, any other leaders, elders that come into their church. He's saying we're working with God. And then he says you, so he's speaking to the church, you're God's field, you're God's building. So you're the result of it. So there's two different illustrations. One is the field. Right? God's accomplishing something as his field, and he's working and sowing seeds of the gospel, and God's growing up disciples. So that's illustration one. He's saying any leader is part of the workforce, planting the seeds, watering the seeds, pulling the weeds, pruning, whatever. And then he switches illustrations. You're God's building. So he switched another metaphor. God's got a construction project going. He's building a building, and this is actually the image he's going to stick with for the rest of this passage, this section. God's building something, he's, and his building is not with building materials. His building is with people. We are the building materials. He's building a building of believers over the years, and it's the building where God's going to inhabit, right? We, 
He's going to live among us. We're going to see that in there. So he's saying that's what the whole point. If you're a leader of anyone, whether it's a pastor or a leader of a small group or a leader of a person or parenting, you are working with God on his project to raise up disciples to grow his church. So that's, that's the people here. So he's saying, forget this. I like that one better. He's saying, that's not the point. We want to work with God to carry out his building project. That's the image. So that's why I've got this idea of making disciples. That was Jesus' command. Go make disciples, followers of Jesus. So that's what he says. That's our whole point. We're working with God on his project. That's the point. And, and so let's look at that. Verse 10. First thing he says, according to the grace of God. Paul's not saying, I have all the degrees. I have all the experience. I know better than you. I barged in and I'm going to help God get his work done. Mm-mm. God's grace. Paul was opposing the church and hurting the church and trying to destroy it. And God says, I want you anyways. And I'm going to save you by grace. And I'm going to let you serve in my church by grace. I, I think it's so important we see that it's all by God's grace. It's not by Paul demanding that you must listen to me. He says, by the grace of God. That he wanted me and his family. And then he wanted me to serve. And then he wanted me to travel the world and preach the gospel. He says, that's all God's grace. So he says, I'm only here by grace. He says, like a skilled master builder. That's where we get our word architect. That's what that word is. Like a skilled master builder, like an architect, I laid it out. I knew all the measurements, all the heights. I knew all the things. And if you build it like this, it'll stand. And if you don't, it'll fall apart. That's, that's the word there. He says, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. So that's, that's the imagery. He came in, started the church. He laid it out. He knew how to pre- preach the gospel. He knew how to bring in believers. And then he leaves, right? He was in Corinth for a year and a half. And then he goes to the next town, and other people come behind to grow the church, to lead people, to keep it going. So he's saying, I'm a skilled master builder. I started this thing. And other people are coming in to finish the work. That's the picture here. Now, here's where we get the warning. Here's where I talked about the whole fire marshal thing. This is where it gets real serious. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. It's a little bit soft in the English. It's actually a command. It's really, beware. Beware how you're going to do this, right? It's this kind of stuff. Don't drink that. It will burn your insides out, right? That's what Mr. Yuck was all about. You know, biohazard. It will hurt you. It will melt your skin off. Don't go in that room, right? Icy. I've known a few people that have fallen on the ice. If you want a story, ask Pastor Mark. It's not a joke, right? You can get really hurt or you can crash your car in the ice, right? Be careful. Be careful. High voltage. You will become a shish kebab, a version of yourself if you touch those things, right? These are there for a reason. Warning, danger. That's really what's happening here in the second half of verse 10. The English gets it a little soft. Let each one take care. It's, an, it's a command, warning, beware. That would be a good rendering there. Beware. Hey, pay attention. So who's he talking to? He's talking to anyone who's leading, right? Because remember he said there's Paul and Apollos. He says, I laid a foundation. Others are building on it. But now he's addressing any kind of spiritual leader, any kind of person who's discipling. Hey, be careful what you do here. This is serious. 
right? It might seem like you're just taking a door thing off, but in reality, it could protect your whole building from fire, right? It might seem like, oh, I can walk in that room, but there's 8 million volts and it's going to melt you. Don't mess with this. This is serious. Beware how you disciple someone. Beware how you lead someone in the faith. That's, that's the urgency of this passage. So he cycles back to this foundation. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he kind of circles back. Let me make sure I get this building project off right. There is only one foundation. It's Jesus. There is only one foundation. It's Jesus. I just want to make sure we hit that for a minute here. Go back a, go back a few pages to 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. We'll jump over there real quick. I just want us to see that. We're coming back to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3. uh, Just to make sure we get the foundation right. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3. He's talking about praying, praying for leaders, praying for people in authority. Verse 3. He says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's desire is for everyone to be saved. For... There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. There's one God, there's one mediator, there's only one way to go between you and God, and it's not you, (laughs) and it's not your good works. He says it's the man, Jesus Christ, who paid the ransom. He is the ransom. We're imprisoned to sin, a debt we could never pay, and Jesus paid it for us. One foundation, right? One foundation. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. So make sure you hear that today. Some of you are like, I know I've been here forever. I know that. Not always, okay? I don't know how many years you've been in church, how many times you've heard this. To be saved, you must have Jesus. He alone forgives your sins. He alone paid the price you can't pay. And he did it because he loves you. So Paul, you know, he's in this heavy duty. Be careful how you build. But let me just make sure you remember, there's only one foundation. There's not all roads lead to the top. There's not multiple religions. There's one mediator, one Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's, what, that's the making disciples. It starts with the foundation of Jesus. And now he's going to get into why it's eternally important. Why he has all this warning. Hey, be careful how you're doing this. So come back to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. All right, so he's talking about anyone who's leading, anyone who's discipling someone who's turned their life to Jesus, they have the foundation, so be careful how you're going to build on that foundation. Verse 12, if anyone builds on that with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, that's quite a variety of building materials, right? Some of those are better than the others. I'm sure there's a show on Discovery about, hey, don't do that, building your house out of wood, hay, or straw, or straw. And you're like, well, that's really lovely. I don't want a straw house. Ask the three little pigs. <laughs> there are better building materials and not, right? So he's just saying there's all kinds of things, there's all kinds of building materials, but they don't all, they're not all equal. All right, now we can go to verse 13. He says there in verse 13, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. Oh, now we're getting serious, right? There's three, those three words I highlighted are synonyms. He's trying to say it in as strong as words possible. It will all be visible. 
It will all be seen, revealed, disclosed, manifest, uncovered. So he's saying any work that you do to disciple another person will be completely revealed and bare before God. And he sees that word for the day. That stands for the day of the Lord. The Bible has that term all through. The day of the Lord, it doesn't literally mean a 24-hour day. It means the period when God comes back and brings final judgment and brings an end to this and then ushers in the age to come and Jesus reigns. That, 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 that day is what that means. It's sort of code word for the end of this world, the beginning of the next, and everything he's going to do there. So there's a day coming when Jesus comes back and when we stand before Jesus, it's all bare. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing he doesn't know about. There's nothing he can't see, right? It's not like when, you know, you're a kid and you're cleaning your room and you hide everything in the closet, right? And you think, well, they'll never look in there. What about this closet, right? There's no closets. It's all bare. Verse 14, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. It's pretty, pretty heavy duty, right? God, now, again, we're not talking about whether you're saved or not. This is talking to specifically to anyone who's leading another person and they're building on their foundation and they're trying to help you go in Christ. It will all be visible. It will all be seen. It will all be known. Okay, verse 14. If that work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Right, there we go with the reward again. So anything you do, if it survives, if it goes through, if it's of eternal value, if you discipled people and they're following Jesus and they're living according to him, and then they're before God, you're like, there's the reward right there. There's the people right there. There's the work right there. And God says, you'll be rewarded for that. Again, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about your work serving him. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Again, we're not talking about, do I go to heaven, do I go to hell? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, there's a possibility that everything you did is wasted and gone. That's possible. He's saying that someone could go around and think they're trying to help somebody, and they think they're investing their life in someone, and it's a waste, and they've done it poorly, they've done it wrong, and it says that will all be burned up. It doesn't say, then you go to hell. It doesn't say that. It's just like, it didn't make it. That was the straw. That was the stubble. That he says, you're saved. Right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're saved. But your life's work can be burned up. Your investment into other people can be burned up if it's not eternal, if it's not the right building materials. Well, what are the right building materials? They may go, well, this is kind of important, isn't it? <laughs> I should know this. What, what are the eternal building materials? What should we be using? The simplest one's in the Great Commission in Matthew. You want to look at that. Matthew 28, Jesus gives it to us. He tells us, what are the right building materials? Matthew 28, you want to look at it. What, what are we supposed to do if you're discipling somebody? What are you supposed to do? Matthew 28, I want to take a look there. Verse 18, Jesus, he's resurrected and he's before his disciples. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's our command. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's the right building materials. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We need to teach people to obey Jesus. That's the right building materials. 
Anything Jesus has said, anything he's taught, and if you believe that Jesus is eternal, then he, he inspired the whole thing, right? <laughs> he's the speaking, he's the word. So we want to teach people the word. We want to teach people to obey Jesus. But there's some real easy ones when Jesus says, I command you this. Okay, I'm going to pick, love one another. Like, okay, I'm going to make sure I do that one. If you're teaching people to love one another, that's an eternal building material. And if you invest your life in somebody and they love one another in Jesus' name, that's eternally rewarded, right? If you invest with one and you teach them how to study God's word, that's eternally rewarded. If you invest in someone and you teach them how to share their faith with someone else, that's eternally rewarded, right? If you invest in someone and you teach them how to give generously, that's eternally rewarded, right? So there's a lot of interesting things you could teach somebody, but they may not really be teaching people to obey all that Jesus has commanded. So that's the building materials. Teach people to obey Jesus. Teach people from the word. That's what it's really about. And anyone can do this. You don't have to be a pastor. You can disciple one other person or a few people or lead a group. But the whole point, he's saying, if you're going to do it, be careful, right? Be careful how you do it. I mean, I, I can teach a, a lot of you, like, how to barbecue, barbecue with briquettes. But I don't think that Jesus is that worried about it. But I could teach you how to open your Bible or teach you how to pray. And he'd be like, that was awesome. The grill looked good, but this is what counts, right? So that's the idea. Making disciples, it's eternally important. Now it goes, we had those warning signs, right? Warning, hey, be careful how you do this. Don't mess with people. Don't teach them stuff that's not biblical, right? He's like, you be careful. If you're going to do it, you're not, you don't want to be teaching people stuff that's not biblical. It's got to be biblical. And then he goes even one layer deeper. This is heavy today, isn't it? Verse 16. I didn't go back to it. Verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3. He does a strong warning. He goes even one notch further. He said, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Wow. We're the building project. Isn't that amazing? We're the building project. We're, he's, you are the temple. I'm dwelling among you. This is a big God himself wants to dwell among us. And then he says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. This is like, he's, more, he's talking, I think, to regular teachers. Hey, be careful, be wise, make sure it's about Jesus. And then he's like, and listen, if you are a wolf, if you are a predator, if you're coming in to hurt people, if you're coming in to steal their money, if you're coming in to trick people into inappropriate, you just need to know you're messing with God's temple. Right? And there's, I've got, I won't look at them now. We're running out of time. But there's a strong, strong warning for false teachers. There's a strong, strong warning for anyone who would come in and intentionally harm God's church. Because he says, hey, hey, you're messing with my house now. You're messing with my people now. So there's the one, like, be careful how you build and how you lead. And then he's like, and if you have, if you're going to mess with my house, if you're going to mess with my people, you're going to answer to me. So I'll give you one. If you want to look up one at home, go to 2 Peter chapter 2. And he lists all the times through history God said, he says, I know how to handle, I know how to judge people who are specifically hurting my people. So there's a strong warning, and I, I'm not pointing that at anyone. I don't know anyone in this room, but if, if somehow you come among and there's, a, there's an intent to harm. In fact, that has happened. I remember a guy once came in the first week. He's like, well, I'm ready to preach next week. It's like, <laughs> no. I don't know you. So then he took me out for a sandwich. It was a darn good sandwich. He's like, I'm ready to preach. Like, no, I don't know you. I don't know what you're selling. I don't know what you're up to. 
And then he stopped coming. And maybe it wasn't sinister. I don't know. But we weren't going down that road. He could buy me a lot of sandwiches. We're not going down that road. But there's a strong warning. That's a strong warning we need to hear, right? That we don't mess with God's church. You don't mess with God's people. You don't mess with his children. If anything is not built on the foundation of Jesus, is not, if anything's not pointing people to further and further obeying of Jesus, then you're messing with his house. You're messing and you don't want to be in that place. So that's why Paul, he's, he's kind of warning, warning. He's like, and this is really a warning. Okay, where did I go here? Let me see here. So we got that. It's eternally important. It matters forever. I've got to find where I left off. Did we get this far? Okay. Yeah, we're right here. So, is anybody, like, freaked out? Like, okay, I think I want to disciple somebody, but I'm a little freaked out. Like, what if I do it wrong? Am I going to be melted down? Maybe I'll just sit quietly every week and do nothing, right? So, don't freak out. Don't think I don't want to jump in that game. There's a stern warning to it. But then, like, well, what, what do I do? Verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. I think the thing you do is don't come in and say, I know all the answers and I have the agenda and I went to this conference. He says, if anyone's wise, let him become a fool. I think what we do is we say, God, I want to help I want to serve you, I want to serve other people, and I don't really know how to do it, and God can work with that. He says in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, just let him ask. Like, I'm not going to come in with my preconceived ideas, I'm not going to come in with a worldly technique, I'm not going to go to this self, self-help video and then make people do it. I, I'm just going to become a fool and just say, God, you give me wisdom, I'm going to sit down with this person, what do I show them, what do I teach them, how do I show them, and you just let God direct you. So don't panic at this warning, if you want to invest your life into other people, ask God for help. Ask, but don't come in with the slick thing. He's saying, don't, don't do that. The, the world's ideas don't work. Just come in and show people how you live for Jesus. Just show them very simple stuff. Let's read this passage together. Let's pray together. It's very basic. So that's, that's where he's getting at there. Okay, so he's been dealing with leader, 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 leader. And then he finally turns back to the congregation. He's like, all right, now, I've been leaning on the leaders. I've been warning the leaders, even threatening them, if you're going to mess with God's building. And then he says, but now, people, let no one boast in men. So he's finally gets in. He's like, just, just stop. Stop this. I like Paul. I like Peter. I like Apollos. He's like, enough of that. Stop, 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 stop. Don't boast in them. Don't say they're the most amazing one, and that's my guy. And that. He's like, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because he says, for all things are yours. Wow. Whether, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. That's a huge statement. The leaders in your life, they're there for you. They're there to help you grow. They're there to raise you up. They're there to pray for you. And, and ultimately, they're there to help you eventually become a leader, a disciple maker. So he's saying, don't brag, this one's better and that one stinks. They all have a role to play. I do certain things. Pastor Mark does certain things. Our elders do certain things. Our deacons do certain things. Our youth leaders do certain things. It's not about favorites and better and that one's got to figure it out. They're all yours. 
Anyone serving is there to help you grow, to help you move forward, to help you become mature in Christ. So he's like, don't pick your favorite. They're all there to bless you and serve you. And it's all yours, even the present and the future. It's all yours. He's like, you're, you're going to be around forever. And then look at this last part. And you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. You got everything. Forever, you've got everything. You belong to Christ. Christ belongs to God. You're going to be with him forever. And one day these leaders are pointing you and you'll be with him and you'll, he'll dwell among you and, it, and the building project's done. And he's like, so you have it all. So you don't need to brag or boast or divide because it's all there to help you grow. It's all there to move you forward. So, so he's like, but stop fighting about it. Right? Stop worrying about it. So that was a heavy passage. Let's wrap it up. Making disciples is eternally important. Paul said it's eternally important. It's going to last forever. It's going to be evaluated before the Lord and the rewards. You'll be rewarded for it. So here's what I want to think about. It's serious and it's heavy and we want to do it well. But I just want to encourage you to consider that one part, you're in one part of this conversation. You're the person being discipled. You're the person growing. But I want everyone to be thinking about switching seats. That at some point, you can be a disciple maker. At some point, you can walk with someone else. At some point, you can help someone else grow. And so all this, you're like, ah, I'm never going to be a pastor. Good luck with that, Ryan. Whew. Right? That's a heavy passage you've got to deal with. No, we all have the opportunity to disciple another person. And we all can teach someone how to obey Jesus. But I want you to see how amazing that it's a furthering of God's grace. To get the foundation we talked about, you're saved by grace. That Jesus paid for your sin and he applies it to you and you're considered righteous and you're in his family forever and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then he says, I want you to work with me on my project and I'll show you how to do it and I'll be patient with you when you struggle. And he says, oh, that's even more grace. And then you arrive in heaven. He says, let me take a look here. Oh, you did a great job. Wow. Let me reward you some more. And this whole thing, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. You saved me. You helped me. Now you're rewarding me. Now I'm in heaven forever. And it just is the grace of God. It's all the grace of God. It's not us. It's not us doing it. And he's inviting you to live your life in a way that counts forever. We clearly saw we can live a life in our way that's wasted forever. Or we can live our life in a way that counts forever, which is discipling. Which is investing in another person. Again, it doesn't have to be hundreds, it doesn't have to be thousands, just another person that you're going to invest, you're going to teach. And he says, and I just want to give you grace to do it, and I'm going to reward you by grace, and you're going to enjoy it forever by grace. So maybe as we wrap it up here, just ask God, is he already putting a name in your mind? Or is he, or is he prompting you to say, I need to reach out to someone? Or I don't know how to do it, I want to know how to do it. And you can reach out and you can, you can connect with me and say, I, I'm looking to disciple someone. I'm looking to be discipled. I'm looking to be trained. We can help you on any part of that journey. Maybe you're already doing it. And I just want to cheer you on and say, great. Keep loving those people. Keep meeting with those kids. Keep reaching out to that person. But it's eternally important. It's going to matter forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, thank you that you save us by grace and you help us lead by grace and you reward us by your grace. Thank you that we're the building project that you want to live in, that you want to dwell among us. We are not worthy of it. 
Lord, I pray for any here who need to trust you for the first time. They need to have you as their foundation. Would you let them call out to you today? I pray against any who would come in here who would seek to harm, to lead astray, to deceive anyone in here. Would you keep the wolf away? Would you protect us? Would you give us eyes to see if someone is uh, being deceitful among us? And Lord, I pray that we would all take up this urgency to disciple other people, to lead them, to help them grow, to teach them to obey everything you commanded. And then, Lord, I pray again for our just time from now, now here to lunchtime, that you would bless our conversation. You would let us grow as a church. We would become a joyful spiritual family. Or you would connect if someone's hurting, connect them today. If someone's looking for fellowship, you connect them today. Or if someone's lonely, you connect them today. Or thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this campus that we can do this on. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.